Alright, we're going to start the show again. everybody, it's Andrew Davis of Toon Talk Radio on all things Newcastle United, North East football, boxing, baseball, tennis, you name it, I can cover it, as well as Neil Mitchell, my colleague in Dubai. Good evening, Neil, how are you? I'm good, mate, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. As ever, with Newcastle United and Newcastle United fans, it's been a tumultuous uh, last couple of weeks with the endeavours of Mike Ashley uh, going on behind the scenes with Lee Charnley. Mike, uh, with Rafa Benitez seemingly up against it when it comes to when it comes to Newcastle transfers, and then we add on to the fact that we've had two losses in a row, just like last season. As everybody knows, when we in the championship, we were up against it then, but we managed to come back. The difference is now is that behind the scenes, there's lots of you could call it a crisis. There's lots of things going on with Newcastle. We're never too far away from imploding. The only difference is this time we've got a manager that the fans actually believe in. So it's been an interesting week for, for us and Sunderland, of course. Uh, they also got beat by the hated rivals of uh, Leeds. And so it's been an interesting last couple of weeks for everybody involved. Uh, even the word takeover has been mentioned in, in various uh, different philosophies of what's going on with Newcastle United. But uh, let's get down to our first guest. Ian Dark is a regular on this, on, guest on this show. And uh, he is the legend of everything. He goes all the shows he's been on. Been on. You, I'm sure, Ian, you can tell us all the shows. ESPN, BBC, ITV, Sky. No, not uh, ITV. Not never, ITV. Never, never been on ITV, no. But, um, yeah, all the others you've mentioned at some point in my career, yeah, I've appeared in, of course, BT Sport currently. And what is BT Sport... Um, the, the, are they actually now switching to do championship football? Is that what's going on? Because the exciting thing coming up is, I think it's going to be the um, when it comes to the, the Ashes, right? Yeah, the BT Sport do have the Ashes. Uh, you'll only be able to watch it on BT Sport. I sound like an advert, don't I? Here, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> this winter, um, no, not the championship. I, I, I believe BT Sport didn't win the rights to that. To that, but of course. Um, they do offer some of the Premier League and all of the Champions League in Europa. Just thought I was like, Captain, give me somebody me. Password. So tell me, we've got quite a, a big event coming up at the weekend when it comes to Mayweather fight. Mm. Obviously, I, f- thankfully, it's on at 3am in the morning and I'll be in bed, so I won't be watching it. But tell me, what's your thoughts on it? Because it's obscene to me that they're going to... They, they, what they're going to do is they're going to get 100 million each, I believe. Yep. It's, well, and well, it, it, is it, it even a fight? Andrew, 
The fight is it's not a fight. It's a gimmick. I admire them for the money they're going to make. It's a brilliant marketing sting that they've pulled off. They'll get great figures for watching it. They've created a huge amount of interest, particularly among all the fans of UFC, for whom Conor McGregor is a bit of a hero. Uh, they want to see what he does when he's put in with the best, best boxer on the planet uh, in Floyd Mayweather. Okay, retired boxer now, but really, it's impossible to take it seriously, really, because Conor McGregor's never had a contest under the Queensbury rules of boxing, mm. and Floyd Mayweather is the master. Some of the best boxers of the modern era couldn't lay a glove on him, or hardly lay a glove on him, so really... The result of this should be an utter formality. I think half the professional boxers in Britain around his weight would outbox Conor McGregor. Uh, okay, he might be able to, he might have a big punch, but I don't think he's going to be able to land it. So I won't be watching it either. I will be asleep at three o'clock also, and I would recommend that most other people should do exactly the same, though I can hear a lot of people howling in anguish. <laughs> What do you think, Neil? You know, was your big well, sporting buff I, I, as well? Give me my personal opinion. As I'd far rather be talking this week about somebody like Terence Crawford, who has become the first properly unified champion since 2005. That's the kind of boxing news I'd rather be talking about this week. But why not? We're talking about Mayweather and, and McGregor. I mean, I see the other side of the coin over here. My personal feeling is that it's, a, it's a, like Ian says, it's a sideshow. It's a gimmick. It's any any of the above plus more. Um, it's, it's on at 6 a.m. over here and they're prepping everywhere to show it. And the one thing, the only thing I could see out of this is I've, I think I've spoken on the show before about it and I've certainly written about it. That boxing finds it very hard to get a toehold in, in the UAE and in the Middle East in general. Yet, oddly, because it's seen as, one of the things I've been told is it's seen as barbaric. Yet, MMA is huge over here. And that's simply because there's a sheikh in the UAE, in Abu Dhabi, who's known as the Black Belt Sheikh, and he, and he, and he brought Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu over here. So that kind of mixed martial art is, is seen to be sort of culturally okay. Um, and so MMA is huge over here, and it might, just might, get a few of the MMA fans interested in boxing, and that could be a big thing for a toehold in the region boxing over here because it isn't big over here and I don't never understand why um, that's the only other thing I, the only positive I see coming up with it and it's a very regionally specific thing um, as far as a fight it's not a fight it's a, it is an absolute gimmick Ian I, I totally agree with you how can, how can they be making a hundred million each Ian how is that even possible because they haven't even sold it out have they well, pay-per-view sales, that's how they're going yeah. to do it. Um, there's there's like massive the interest around, around the planet, and they can sell this to goodness knows how many countries. So as a marketing idea, um, nobody's going to be losing any money here. <laughs> that's why they can pay <laughs> the fighters this kind of money. You can't blame the, the two boxes uh, for doing this, but is it something we should take seriously? I would say not. Hmm. That's that's the thing, isn't it? It's it, I don't think I got you, you hear about Malinaji fighting them, and then something a video came out that Malinaji was went down like a lettuce, and I don't and I don't understand like it's okay fighting each other, but it's I think it's a bit derogatory to try and insult Mr. Malinaji when it, it comes to his boxing because you know this guy 
uh, McGregor would definitely feel a punch from him. Well, Malinaju is more really of a, of a boxing stylist, or he was in his, his pomp mm. anyway. More latterly, mm. he's been a media pundit. So, mm. you know, he's not really a part of this, of this story. I mean, I'll, I'll give Mayweather and, and, and Conor McGregor great credit. They've sold this brilliantly, mm. really. They've done a worldwide tour. They've been hurling insults. And, you know, <laughs> people can sneer and columnists can mm. sneer and say, you know, it's pathetic. And it is, but... It would seem, rather sadly, that that is the way now you have to sell these events, and sell it they have. Yeah, I have to say they've done a bang-up job of getting people in a, into an auditorium to meet each other, and they just shouted obscenities at each other. It's like, like I think I watched one of them, the first one, but I didn't watch it. It was a link of something, but I must be the only boxing I like to watch is when you watch Joshua, because with that guy, you know you get, you know it's gonna it's gonna be a hell of a fight whoever he fights anyway, because at least he's now at least we've got somebody out there that can would is probably able to take on all comers. Don't you agree? Yeah, you could put Anthony Joshua on against the cleaners at the O2 <laughs> Arena, and you could sell the place out. He does have charisma. He's a great lad, and he's in exciting fights. It certainly was an exciting fight with with Vladimir Klitschko. Mm, but there's another good. great fight on the horizon, and it's a real one, and it's a pity. It's being overshadowed a bit by all this uh, hoopla about McGregor and, and Mayweather, and that is the, the fight between Sal Alvarez, Canelo, and Gennady Golovkin, the top middleweight on the planet. Yeah. Now, that is a real contest. Mm, yeah, it looks scary, doesn't he? Every time I see that guy, it's like, woof. <laughs> Some, something's going to happen, and it's going to be bad. <laughs> But obviously, when it comes to the the football and the promotion of it, how have you found it this year? Because it, it looks like it that they're really bigging it up. Like obviously, I saw BT Sport doing uh, big events with, with regards to it. How, how are you finding it? Because obviously, lots have changed over the years. And do you sense it's uh, getting bigger and bigger? Yeah, bigger and bigger, and, and the amount of money now, and look at the transfer fees, they're just going through the roof mm -hmm. every year. The world record fee for a player, which was, what, $89 million for Paul Pogba, only a year ago, that's now gone up to $200 million <laughs> for Neymar. Um, so where is this all going? I don't know. Everybody says at some point the bottom of it has got to fall out, but it isn't so far. The, the interest is huge. The worldwide sales of it are huge as well. Um, does look like it'd be an exciting season the way Manchester United have started. We'll see what Manchester City do tonight against Everton, but uh, they've spent big, so I think Pep Guardiola's honeymoon is over. This time he has to deliver the title with that kind of spending. So a right old uh, a Manchester set two, I think, between those two. And I wouldn't write Spurs or Chelsea out of the argument either, really, not at this early stage. But the interesting thing I found about Spurs, Wembley, I think personally, I think it's, that's going to hurt them because everybody that goes there now, it is, it is their own cup final, and you know Spurs have, have struggled there. It was an interesting thing to do to go to, to go to Wembley. I presume that was the only option, really, was it? Ian? Yeah, I think so. Um, that's, that's what they wanted to do. Anyway, um, obviously it has a greater capacity even than uh, the new improved White Hart Lane that is, that is coming along. But I don't, I don't know where this has all grown up. I mean, Spurs have won two of the last ten visits 
to Wembley and it's in danger of becoming psychological. Mm. They probably should have won that game against Chelsea yesterday, but they didn't. But they want to delve back further into their history. I looked it up today. They won the 1961, 62, 67, 81, 82, 91 FA Cup finals at Wembley. So <laughs> they've got to get past that block. But I, I, I do agree with you, really. The opposition... As, as Antonio Conte said afterwards, are going to be delighted to be playing at Wembley. Yes. And it's going to give them a buzz. And really, you want your home ground to be intimidating to the opposition, not be giving them a lift. It's a, it's a similar situation that we had in the championship last season. Everybody came to St. James's Park, and it was later cup final. Everybody came to St. James's Park, because they want to win at St. James's Park in front of 50,000 people, because it may be the last time I play in front of 50,000 people. And so it, we faced some teams that give more than their all. And I think you're right. I think Spurs, it, it could work against them. And I also saw something um, at the weekend, somebody comment, commenting on the pitch size possibly being a problem for them because they used to weigh tartly and then the pitch is slightly smaller than most of their Premier League teams. And um, I'm never really sure how much that really does make a difference, but certainly it's never going to feel like home. And you're also playing on a multi-use pitch, which mm-hmm. has had criticism levelled at it before and it's never going to have had the volume of use that it's going to get this season so I'll be interested to see how that's going maybe around about January, February time when it's had half a half a ton of rain on it and a half a season of football on it and yeah. the other things that happen at Wembley it's going to be very interesting Yeah that's interesting because um, we work, I worked with Stephen Gerrard on, on BT Sport and mm. we, he was talking about Wembley and he said it's much much more tiring a surface to play on than most of the grounds in the Premier League. It's a bigger pitch, and, and somehow he said that, that turf there just tugs at the muscles a bit more, and it, that is a factor. It is different. Interesting. Because, you know, I think because... It, that's the whole point, of it, isn't it? It's the, it's the pinnacle of your career to play at Wembley. It should make you work harder, shouldn't it, Ian? Yeah, it should do. But I mean, a lot of a lot of players now. I mean, perhaps Wembley isn't quite where it used to be when you know the FA Cup final was really the only game in town, or yeah. the League Cup final mm. to get there. Now there are a lot of players who play there internationally in playoff games and so and so forth. Even the semi-finals are there, so it, it shouldn't really have um, quite the effect that it might have done in, in, say, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So uh, Tottenham have just got to get used to it. They've got to make it feel like home. I still think they're, they're a very good team, and they'll be too good for most of the people who go there. Yeah, I must be. I, I did fancy Chelsea yesterday to, 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 you know, to, to beat them, and, and as, it, as it proved, wasn't it? But, um, you know, I think my sympathy... I. I wouldn't say I've always had a soft spot for Spurs, but I think when Harry Kane kicked our central defender out of um, our game, and is kind of a, you know he's he's kind of affected you know the the moral compass of of our defence. So uh, him losing a game or, or six or seven or eight, would, would I, I don't I won't mind that to be honest with you. But um, when it comes to the challenger, when you look at when you look at uh, Man United, you just feel with Man United. If they add Mr. Bale, they will, they will come. A, they will take over Man City because Man City, you can just tell by Guardiola, he's, he seems more relaxed this season, doesn't he? With with his team and everything about that, that team, and plus they're being linked with Messi. Yeah, well, Manchester United, I mean, have started obviously very, very well indeed, two four 0 wins, but against. 
teams you'd have expected them to be able to deal with in, in West Ham, who really didn't turn up last week. Mm. And then Swansea, who gave them a good argument for, what, 75 minutes or so. Um, you know, it's only 1-0, then they score three in three minutes and uh, game over. But impressive from Manchester United. They're starting to look like you'd expect Manchester United to look. And they haven't really done that much since Sir Alex Ferguson left. So it's good times, but, you know, it's early and I think we've got to see them in more significant tests before rushing to, to judgment. Yeah, what do you think? Do you think this rumour about Messi having a, a clause in his contract that he could leave for £295 million, I believe it is? Could you... To me, he's conquered everywhere else. He's conquered Spain. He's been nowhere else. I think the United Kingdom would be a... Well, I think football over here, it's, it's exciting... But it would, be, it would absolutely explode, wouldn't it? it? It would be amazing. And frankly, this summer, after what happened with Neymar mm-hmm. going to Paris Saint-Germain, um, you, you couldn't rule anything out. Not safely, anyway. But I would be amazed. What was your thought process on... Obviously, I only heard about it today when... I think when you mentioned it. But when it comes to... Obviously, we'll get to Rafa in a minute. But when Joey Barton, who I actually always liked... As a Newcastle player, uh, you know he's, he's, you know, even when he speaks, he always thinks thoughtfully. But again, Ian, these guys live have lived here, and then he goes out and says, um, "Rafa Benitez should just get on with it." Mm. Somewhere along the line, the, the fairy godmother must have tapped him on the shoulder last night when he went to bed, and said, "Oh, let's 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 rile up the Newcastle fans because we've done nothing to you. We just liked you." And he comes out and says that. What was your thoughts on it? Well, um, yeah, I was a bit surprised that Joey Barton said that, but I'm often surprised by things that, that Joey <laughs> Barton says. I think you're right. He does. I mean, I read his book in the summer, and um, he obviously does have a very soft spot for Newcastle United and enjoyed his time at the club, though, like everywhere else, it turned into a bit of a volcanic experience from time to time. But, yeah, I'm surprised he's come out with that. I think it's pretty much accepted wisdom that Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez, they need to get a couple more players in, don't they, between now and and the end of, of the deadline to be competitive in the Premier League. So I don't think Rafa Benitez is bleating. He's, he's, he's doing what the manager should be doing. He's trying to, to twist Mike Ashley's arm to get those other moves over the line. And Newcastle need that as well because you, you start to wonder already where the goals are going to come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think what puzzles me greatly is I, is I get that um, we've had a year in the Championship. I get... Um, that we didn't get any parachute money so actually that year in the championship and coming straight back up financially may have, have hurt us a little bit um, but then he comes out with a statement saying we expect to compete with clubs funded by countries and that's utter rot I'd like to compete with Burnley I'd like to compete with Southampton I'd like to compete with you know um, with, with Brighton with Huddersfield who were all signing players at the 10, 11 Plus, you know, Burnley today picked up Wood, Wood from Leeds for £15 million. Mm. Yep. Um, I don't expect us to spend on anything like that on one player at all this summer. Mm. And we're shopping, in, we're shopping in sort of Poundland when really we don't want to be shopping in Fortnum and Mason, but, you know, maybe Tesco would be nice. Uh, it, it just <laughs> seems to be that we're, we're, we're sort of setting ourselves out. There's, there's, there's definitely 
something amiss with what's going on behind the scenes yet again. Um, and, and how can you we take the word of a man who not so long ago was recently in court talking about power drinking <laughs> and vomiting in, in uh, fireplaces and pubs whilst making multi-million pound business deals. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I get when people say, look, Rafa should just shut up and get on with it. But I'm sorry, this man made promises and made those promises public. And now those promises seem to be being reneged on. And I think I would be getting quite upset about that. And it seems to be the only thing that's holding Rafa here at the moment is the connection he has with the, the club, the city and the fans. It's certainly not the connection he has with the owner. Ian, what do, what do you think? Because it's a... After, uh, the interesting thing I think I, we found in, it was um, when, you, when uh, Steve, met, Steve Wraith mentioned it last week that the interview was conducted by two people who are actually uh, in, you know, the agents, they're agents of the same person. So, uh, you, you've, have, have you met with Rafa before the season began to, to talk to him in, in that sense of things, to get his talk? Because he's been, he obviously been talking to everybody before the season started. Uh, no, I haven't spoken to Rafa Benitez, but I think his body language, um, quite apart from his utterances, make it very, very clear, don't they, that he believes that he should be uh, having more money to spend on players and that he was promised more money. That was the sense of it mm. at the back end of last season. Now we get Mike Ashley doing an interview basically saying, well, you know, I'm not made of money. I, I can't compete with with the very big clubs right at the top. Well... I totally agree. It's, that's not the question. They can compete, certainly, though, you would think, with the, the Huddersfields and, and, the, and the Watfords, uh, West Bromwich Albion, that sort of level. Some modest spending, and I mean that modest by Premier League standards now, um, to get the squad up to the kind of level where it can compete effectively in the Premier League. Because if the squad isn't properly replenished, there's only going to really be one outcome to that. Rafa Benitez is not a miracle worker. He's an experienced, talented international coach of some renown, but he needs the tools to do the job. Otherwise, Newcastle are going to be in the relegation argument. I was going to say, the, the one thing I... Like, I was surprised that Wood, obviously from Leeds, went to Burnley. The guy is OK, but he's got zero pace. Was that something that surprised you, like 15 million? Uh, but 15 million these days is just a, well, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it a drop It'll in the ocean fee, but it's quite a regular fee being mm -hmm. spent. His goal-scoring record is good over several seasons now for, for, for Leeds United. Um, he hasn't been bought, I don't think, for his pace. He's been brought to get on the end of some crosses and, and score a few goals for Burnley or to certainly up their scoring rate a little. Mm -hmm. So, yep, it's a punt because he's never really done it at Premier League level, not yet. Obviously, Mr. Dyche thinks he can. Mm. Yeah, I, I just thought it was, a, it was an interesting, it was an interesting yeah. uh, transfer, five, Neil, what you say? Fifteen million now was five million about three years ago. That's the way it's gone. It's gone a little bit exponential and very, very silly again. Um, he, what Ian says is quite right. He's, Wood's goal scoring record was was very good last season. I think he scored against every club in the championship, and I think that's the second year in a row he's done that. Um, he's a, he's an old school big target man. He's not there for pace. He's there to do something entirely different. 
Um, now, obviously, he thinks he's fitting that in with the system that works for him. And it's proved time and time again that they have their use in the Premier League, particularly in those tight little relegation battles. And I wouldn't put it past him to score St. James's Park again, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he scored one last season, didn't he? <laughs> Killed the atmosphere of that game. and But it obviously, it made, it made us try harder to, to win the league. Uh, what was your thoughts on... Uh, John Joe Shelby, what's your what's your take on him? Because he's what he comes across. He's, I believe he's having counselling, which makes me laugh. I have to tell you. But what, what was your what was what's your take on him as a footballer? Because you know, to me, I think once Marino gets going, I think he could be a good sign for Newcastle. But when it comes to Shelby, if Newcastle keep on losing, then Shelby's going to look like a. You've got to put him back in there. Well. My view of it is the same, I think, as just about everybody else's. It was utter stupidity. He cost them the game against Tottenham. It's nil-nil. What the heck is he doing? What the heck is he doing? You cannot get away with that kind of thing. Absolutely brainless, frankly. And I wouldn't have wanted to be him in the dressing room afterwards because the looks he must have had from some of his teammates and from the manager... uh, would not have been too kindly, but he's a good player. He doesn't need to be doing stuff like that. It, it was I almost bit, I, when you see it, it's like okay, but to me, he, he's the reckon he he's um, you know he's lost a lot of weight. He's come back a better player. Mm. Uh, I I thought he was one of these players that you know he, he would eventually fit that Newcastle uniform and go out there and dictate. Now. He's very, to me, I would, it comes across to me that I don't think, like Mitrovic, uh, I'm surprised. Are you, still, are you surprised with Mitrovic still being there? Because, you know, it's quite clear he's not part of the, the thinking for Rafa, which I believe has been so since last season. Um, a, a little surprised, yeah. I mean, you see them more than I do. I don't see Newcastle every week, but Mitrovic hasn't really come off, and he didn't come off when Newcastle were in the Premier League before so no I doubt if he's the answer really um, I mean and Dwight Gale as, as prolific as he can be at a lower level when he was at Palace he wasn't really in the mm-hmm. team yeah, and true. he didn't score that too many goals so there would be a, a jury's out uh, question about him too yeah I think um, are you surprised in the goalkeeper situation because it's, it's interesting isn't it when you like I watched uh, Rob Elliott play yesterday and he was—he couldn't kick that ball. He, he, he tried really hard to kick it, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's funny. Everybody's, I suppose, if some Newcastle players are, are wondering, "Well, we don't need another goalkeeper." But when it comes to the the the, the player that he wants in to drag the club along, is Pep Reina. Now he's 34. Yeah. And by the counts, he's put a, he's put in a transfer request in to Napoli. It's an interesting one, that one, isn't it? Because he was all—he was kind of the king of the king of errors. I always thought when he was in, when he when he was actually in, in England near the end of his career. Well, near the end of his career, but I think he was a good Liverpool goalkeeper. And Rafa Benitez, of course, knows him very, very well in, indeed. That might just prove to be a, a shrewd bit of business, and you wouldn't be totally surprised if they could pull that one off. Really, I just could imagine. I just could imagine how much the fee it'll cost because. He's 34 years of age. He's put a travel request in. Well, he's not too old for a goalkeeper, is it? 34 no. for a goalkeeper is oh, not like 34 for a midfield player. 
I'm being told it's four million. Is is, is that a figure you've heard, Neil and Ian? Well, it's it's buttons in the current market. That it's as simple as that. For somebody who's look the, the goalkeeper situation, get me started on Newcastle goalkeepers. We have a disease at the club. <laughs> All of them lose their kicking ability over time. <laughs> Krull started off great, just went the pot. Fraser Forster, when he was at the club, mm. he's improved no ends in his in his football skills, his actual ability to kick the ball since he left the club, went to Celtic and then down to Southampton. Um, you, Rob Elliott yesterday was appalling with his feet. Mm. Darlow made some screaming howlers at, uh, in last year, two or three times. That fresh air kick against Norwich, for example. Mm. Yeah. And it seems to be a proper disease at Newcastle United. Something about not being able to teach my goalkeepers to actually kick the ball. But did Fraser force to get a proper chance at Newcastle? No, he didn't. He didn't. No, because of no. Krull. It, 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 was a, it was a straight two-way fight. I remember, because I was still still in the UK then, and my, my mate Jamie, whose um, who's opinions on goalkeepers are, 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 you have to hear to believe sometimes, they're, they're fabulous. Um, and, and we could see it was a straight shootout between the two, and Krull was winning it all day long mainly yeah. because he had the better ball skills and better command of his area. And you could see where it was going. So Fraser was, I think, it was pretty clear to him before he moved on, look, to get a first-team chance, I've got to move away. But, um, but it, it's quite patent. His ability to kick the ball is much better than the young man I used to watch in our reserves. I'm, t- I'm telling you that now by a mile. So he's been coached well. And it seems to be a real recurring problem. And yeah. I know Pep Guardiola has a big issue with his goalkeeper. He wants a sweeper keeper tight, and that's why Joe Hart didn't fit in with Man City because he wasn't good enough with his feet. And it's obvious that that's what Rafa wants in. Is he wants a safe pair of hands who he knows, who he knows is a very good good uh, distributor of the ball off the ground. And I think that's that's what he's looking for. And and again at the weekend, Sean Elliot was coming for things and missing. He wasn't commanding his area the way that he did last season when he played um, and, he, and as you say, right, right you say Andrew his, his kicking was atrocious I mean if his kicking was a golf swing he'd be, he'd, he'd be out of bounds every bloody five minutes, it was really poor It's important to get a good goalkeeper too isn't it and a good goalkeeper for Newcastle and he will be pretty busy in the away games you'd imagine, might be worth five to ten points so, Absolutely. I mean, Rain is interesting. I think he'd be a really good presence in, in the dressing room, he'd yeah. see it as a new lease of life and he could come and be a bit of a talismanic figure at Newcastle. I'm not going to say mm. he's the goalkeeper he was in his pomp at Liverpool, but mm. it's still, for the kind of money they're talking about, might be a decent punt. Yeah, I think when I, I think because it, with, with goalkeepers, it's like it's like a football player, isn't it, Ian and Neil? You've got to be able to fill that jersey, and. Pepe Reina comes across to me is that he'll drag Newcastle United players around, you know, he'll make, he'll give them confidence. Nobody in that team, when it comes to personality, I can't name one person in that team that you would say, yeah, he's going to drag the players around that pitch. Yeah. So you, you always, I mean, the players will tell you this, doesn't matter what club you're at, you do need gritty leader types in that dressing room. Somebody who's going to uh, put a little bit of fear in, the, in, the, in their teammates' minds. So 
that's important as well. So I don't know the lads at Newcastle well enough to know who that figure is in that team. You boys may know better. Yeah, Neil, can you talk on the good player? Well, ironically, one of the biggest voices in the dressing room and one of the best liked people in the dressing room is, is, is Elliot, the goalkeeper. Uh, everybody likes having him around the dressing room. Lascelles isn't frightened as a young man to see see it as it is, and I think that's why he's got the captain's armband because uh, uh, to have the the ability to stand up as a as a then twenty year old defender and turn around to somebody like Jan Matt uh, and call him a disgrace to his face, um, I think that's why he wears the captain's armband. Um, so there are people in there. Um, I think it's already been proved Shelby can't do that when he comes back in. He's a super player, but he's he, he, he's his head's a distinct mess. Um, we looked a little bit lightweight in the middle at the weekend, to, from what I saw of it, running in the background in the surgery while it was on. Um, I, I think you're right. I think a, a, an experienced voice like Rainer at the back, because I mean, my my opinion on goalkeepers is. Why Sh- one of the reasons Schmeichel was so good as a goalkeeper wasn't so much his, his his ability, which was good. It was his ability to absolutely organise that back four in front of him and, mm-hmm. and and dominate. And you need somebody with that kind of presence at the back, but you need them in other positions on the pitch. Um, Mitrovic has the the potential to do that if when he's not trying to be a head case and kick everything that moves. Um, we do need more of those leader types for me, though, um, but particularly experienced leaders, and I think that's that's the kind of signing Rafa I think would like in, and I think certainly that's why um, why Reina would be his goalkeeper. There's no doubt about that. I think he's spot on with that. Mm. Yeah, I think it. it you know, the, the, this the this is the problem, isn't it, Ian? It, it's when it comes down to you know what players to bring in if. When you look at when you look at what he what he wants to do, what he thinks you know the Newcastle need, if you've got somebody on the other other line saying no, or he's the or he's um you know he's say he's laughing at him because you know I've heard various rumours that when um, he asks for something they basically laugh at him. Unsub you know I'm not going to say that's definitely happening, but I've heard that's been happening. But um, when it comes to when it comes to the Newcastle as a club, you, you're sensing that they that they need a, a change of direction because any mistake that Mike Ashley does, in he, which he, he normally does anyway, you can you can see it. There'll there'll be absolute ructions if, for whatever reason, Rafa has to leave Newcastle. Oh, absolutely. I think there'd be a revolution. There'd be a riot if it comes to that. But I think you know my views on this, and I I don't like to say it really with with so many Newcastle United fans listening. Those fans deserve a lot better than what's been happening at that club over over the last few years. And my feeling is that until there's new ownership, a new regime there, things won't properly get better in the way that Newcastle fans would like because Newcastle is a huge club who should be in the top half of the Premier League but it doesn't look like happening at the moment. You'd have thought it could have been the dawn of something good again. You go up, you're back in the Premier League at the first attempt. Hey, come on. Now then, let's replenish this squad. Let's make it look like a Premier League team that might be able to do something. But that isn't happening, is it? 
No, and I, I, I just that this the problem is that he, he deflates. Like after that, like I think a lot of people watched it. They didn't watch it straight away. They waited for it to start, but they, you know, to try and just take in everything that he's saying. But every time I saw him talk about Newcastle, it's like it's it's like it's it's you know, when somebody spits something out of their mouth. That's the way that he comes across. The way that's the way that he, he thinks of the club because he, when he bought it, he just thought he's going to sell it pretty quickly, and I and I think he thought, oh, I'll, get, I'll make a good profit. The guys from Man City, who eventually who bought Man City, were you know came to Newcastle. They saw what was up. They walked down the street and they bought Man City for a, a, obviously a cheaper price than Newcastle. Um, and this is the problem. We're going to have to we're going to have to wait and wait and wait unless. Uh, I don't know if you know, have you ever heard this woman, Amanda Stavely? Uh, I believe that she's, we've heard the name and she, uh, by all accounts, she's the, the, the fixer when it comes to getting clubs, people to buy clubs. Have you ever heard about her in your, in your past, uh, Neil? I've, I've heard her Sorry, name, yeah. but not, not come across her. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? You would think somebody who's got that connection, she, she would be um, somebody that would be in and around the, the club. I've, Obviously, I think Neil's was talked about it earlier, but when it comes to the the, 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 the what's been going on in Qatar, uh, it's interesting because they, were, they had blocked being sports in that area, but then because obviously the, the situation that's going on in Qatar, but the reckon there's going to be well, you tell you you tell well, no, inform, basically yeah. the, 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 as part of the part of the ongoing uh, diplomatic issues here in the Middle East. I've got to be careful what I'm saying, really, because there's no doubt somebody somewhere is listening in. Um, <laughs> that um, uh, as part of these sanctions, the, or anything associated with Al Jazeera and the news network was blocked, and so be in sports. All the sports channels disappeared about, uh, about six, six weeks, eight weeks ago, um, and, and everybody's like, oh... Where's 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 the sports channels and nobody made a thing of it. Then magically, about two weeks before the start of the season, all the sports channels came back on. It was because I think there'd have been an absolute riot if if that, because of the way football's followed in this part of the world now. And there's there's fans of all clubs all over the place. There's big followings for obviously Real Madrid, Barcelona, and all the regional ties to the, these clubs and PSG. Um, Yes, yeah, suddenly, they, suddenly all the television came back on, and it just shows the power of football for me. The fact that the diplomatic relations are breaking down left, right, and centre. But you know what? We better turn the football back on, keep everybody happy. <laughs> we better, better do that. It's magic, really. I love it. Absolutely love it. So and have you been sport politics don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you been out there uh, with the commentator? Have you been out there to impart? Uh, Obviously, in in Qatar, have you been out there uh, with regards to work, Ian? I haven't. No, no, not, oh, not wow. worked in Surprise. the Middle East. Would you Would you do it? Well, you never say never, do you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've all got a living to make. <laughs> I thought you'd. I, I, oh, Scott, I really thought they would be asking to come out there and because it, let's be honest, when you look at you look at the the people that are on there, there's most of the people that are on there are in BT Sport. Um, they all seem to go over there. Everybody in his granny seems to be going. Well, yeah, they tend to be pundits rather than. Sort yeah, of, I, I, I do, you know, call the games and a sort of play-by-play, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. So they tend to use obviously ex-professional players who, are, yep, sometimes they serve many masters, and, mm-hmm. and good luck sure. to them. Well, what about the, the the American side of it? What, what's your take on that? 
on the American team because they seem to have one golden child that, that, that seems to be quite interesting. That is Perisic. What, what's your take on what, take on the, the the national team of America? Well, um, yeah, you mean um, Pulisic, don't you? Pulisic, yeah, yeah, sorry, the, the lad, the lad from uh, from Dortmund who, who keeps on telling. I think you got his name right, but he keeps on telling us to say Pulisic because Pulisic. <laughs> yeah, Pulisic. Because that, that's what they call him in Hershey, Pennsylvania, where he grew up. But I tell you what, he's a <laughs> heck of a player. He really is a very, very good player. So. He could be the new torchbearer. Well, he is the new torchbearer, really, for the USA team, as young as he is. Uh, they made a dodgy start to their World Cup qualifying group, but it looks like they're going to do it again. They've got a couple of big ones coming up uh, in the near future. So, yeah, the USA will be in the World Cup finals again, as they happen in every World Cup now since 1990. The game is growing there, albeit slowly, but it, it definitely is, and, and, it, and it's come a long way in the last 20 years and will come maybe quite a lot further in the next 20. Are you, are you going there? Google Do you go there a lot? Yeah, I'll be going over to cover because I still do some work for ESPN in ESPN. America. Uh -huh. So I'm going over to cover their next World Cup qualifier, uh, which is in, we're just south of New York, in fact, uh, at home to Costa Rica, who of course did so well in Brazil at the last World Cup, got to the quarterfinals. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's almost the, um, the struggle with foreign words in certain parts of America. <laughs> and why the change the struggle in England. Except <laughs> past for certain parts where the Laban's realm, they've got no problem with, I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, the, when it comes to, I have to say, when it comes to American soccer, as we as you call it over there, I, I have to say the, the interest in Americans here in the Middle East in football is growing generally and I think that reflects the interest in the game um, you know when I first started going over to the States I've got friends who live in Kansas mm. um, and it was very much the it was a it was a children's and a college and a ladies game and then nothing beyond mm. and I've seen it develop there so you can go to see the facilities associated with sport in Kansas as they are now they were the Wizards um, and they've got some really first-class facilities behind the scenes. Yeah, there's, a, there's, their, a big, the, there's a big following for the game in that in Kansas mm. City, Seattle, Portland. Seattle gets 50,000 crowds mm. in, yeah. in, in Major League Soccer. Uh, Portland is a big buzz when they play as well. Uh, Columbus, Ohio. And there's quite a queue now of teams who want to join Major League Soccer, and they've got a big problem with that now so many that they're going to have to try to introduce promotion and relegation and that's a huge wow. problem there because they have franchises and the guys who own the <laughs> franchises as they call it mm. do not want to pay if their team could won't be in the top division <laughs> so they're, they're going to hit a roadblock with it when they get to about 28 teams well we have yeah. been, we, we, we had a good discussion with Peter Ramage who's at Phoenix Rising yeah. Um, about it last season and I guess we'll speak to Peter again this season hopefully uh, I think they've got they've got Drogba who scored an absolute screamer a couple of weeks ago and I think the guys that are behind Phoenix Rising are pretty much they are, at least it sounds with his back as they've got a concept of promotion and relegation and that if that does come in I think some of them are ready but I think they're quite right it's such an alien concept to American sport I think that's something they would struggle to get their heads around this concept of, of promotion and relegation and the fact that you're in Division 2 does actually mean it's it's not as good as Division 1. It's not just another division. 
Mm. Um, and I, but and you I can, think that, new, like Newcastle would know, uh, one thing they need to get their head around is if there's a TV deal for the second tier as well, yes. mm. you can have a very exciting time being mm. top of the table in the second tier mm. like Newcastle were last season. They can't right. quite get their heads around that yet, though. Yes. <laughs> They'll never do it. Like I'd be shocked if they do because they just come across that they, you know, they, when it comes to players coming in, especially, all the money goes directly to the league. They're the ones that it's you know they 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 control everything over there. It's a bit of a strange process. They try and use the the NFL thing, don't they? When they they you know they draft players and all that good the way that they do it. They're yeah. trying to incorporate too many things, I think. Neil, what you, sorry, Ian, what do you think on that? About, well, the, the, you know, that, the draft idea is, I mean, it's never going to catch on here because you know, it'd be like turkeys voting for Christmas for the big clubs. <laughs> but the general idea of that is quite a sound one. It, it's to try to produce more of an equality. So mm-hmm. the clubs who finish at the bottom get the first pick in the draft. But there's no equivalent of that in European football and, and, and never will be. But... That idea is is not is not the worst, really. No, no I didn't. Think, I thought it was, I didn't think it was, I thought it was a good idea. I just thought, well, how are they going to? You know, they, they, they to me they're just started. They're, they're just kind of, you know, you have they've got many people that want to have promotion relegation, but it's like anything. If it's, it's if it's linked to money, somebody somewhere along the line is going to say, okay, well, if we go down, we get this amount of money, because you. As we've seen in the Premiership, once you go out of that Premiership, there is the football. There's a definite drop down in the quality of the football, and the thing is, they 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 play more games, and that's the problem. That you play more or less three games a week, and in the Premier League, it's more or less once a week. <laughs> Make no mistake, there are a few chairmen hanging around in the Premier League <laughs> who'd quite like it that there was no relegation. <laughs> oh yeah, I can I can believe that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bet on it. I, I know I've kept you long a bit longer than half an hour, uh, Ian, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and uh, obviously hope to have you back again this season. Hopefully, Newcastle will go chugged along, and we can uh, at least get some joy out of something. Yeah, early days yet. We, we believe in the cliches. It's a good one. Exactly. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. It's been a pleasure. Thanks Thank a lot, mate. Take care. Cheers, man. Thank you. Bye bye. It's always wonderful to it's always wonderful to have to have uh, Ian on. He's absolutely. The thing is, you can talk so many different things he's with him, can't you? Oh, he's top draw. And do you know what I like about him? It, it, he's the knowledge. He's very knowledgeable, so he can just talk about it. You know, he's not having yeah. to think, he's not having to rack, yeah. rack the brain box. True. He can just go from sport to sport, topic mm. to topic, and bring something up that you did not know. And bang, done. Um, that's what you want. That's good radio, that. Yeah, good. Uh, I'm I've, it'd be great to have him on all the time. It's brilliant. And we'll bring in our next guest this evening. And lots going on with um, with Newcastle United. And uh, that is uh, Steve Hasey from Newcastle Fans Phone. Good evening, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, guys. How are you? Not too oh, bad. Sorry, my phone's ringing. My mum's ringing me. Okay, do you want to get that, <laughs> Andrew? Hopefully she'll, she'll realise I'm on t- radio no, again. I'm, I'm on the radio. <laughs> there's one that should be listening in that, isn't it? Um, no, I just want to hear me all the time. Good evening, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Good. So t- tell me, obviously, with Newcastle... With, hold on a second. T- tell us. Tell us again. <laughs> I'm busy, will you? <laughs> just click it and just tell us, Gary. 
Oh, I've got one of my colleagues. Oh, it's right. She's gone. She's gone. She must have got the hint. But like, um, uh, yeah. So tell me, what's, what's, how do you feel about what the, the crisis that seems to be enveloping Newcastle United? And uh, we've been talking about this Amanda Stavely situation with uh, with all the fans together, and we could look to do something to, regarding the takeover. So what's, obviously we played on we played on Saturday. We got beat again and. Again, the subject comes up about transfers. Uh, what, tell me what you think, Steve. I think it's early days to talk about a crisis, Andrew. Uh, two games in, I think what what people are hatching is, you know, the, as usual, the, the media um, out in, in the south. Or I listened to a particular radio station on the way back home from work today, and mm. you think we have three games left to play, and we're <laughs> nine points, of, eight points right. adrift, you know? Talking about crisis, I mean, they had it. It was almost as though this particular radio station was trying to drive Rafa out of St James's Park <laughs> and wanted to, and wanted us to be out there with the same sort of burning torches that they're wavering around in in, in America at the moment. Uh, back and forth, <laughs> yeah. absolutely unbelievable what Dick, I was hearing. Dickens, I mean, Dickens doing a running tiki torches up. Absolutely, you know, uh, remarkable. I mean, quite, quite frankly, I mean, as I say, it's early doors. I mean, we, we, you know, Rafa lined the team up last week to play a particular way. I thought that we were, I thought we were doing all right. I thought we were home and home. We had two injuries within the first twenty minutes, and we had a sending off. Um, I thought that you know it completely knocked the shape of of the team that he that he had out. I think that when you when you look back at that Tottenham game, they didn't have that many clear cut chances. They didn't look that impressive. I watched them play last night on match of the day um, and Tottenham were, were very much one of those teams that just wanted to pass the ball around and, and, and on a big pitch at Wembley and, and get absolutely nowhere with. And you know, one commentator did say that they were they were they were hammering Chelsea with possession, but you know, Chelsea being the professional club that they were, um, they didn't get anywhere. And then we, we we yesterday, I mean, we were to be perfectly honest, I, I think we were never going to be the pantomime villains, were we, at Huddersfield? And no. um, the whole, again, the, the whole media, the whole press, the, the TV wanting to be there, the live game, the build-up, especially after they'd had the, the, the amazing start of the season with a 3 now club and, um, last weekend, you know, playing very, very well. Uh, first time in the, in the top flight since 1972, I believe, which they lasted one season. It, 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 and it was it was geared up. We came out. We seemed flat. We, we as was seen on many occasions under many managers. Um, we 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 seem to go uh, away from home at times, and we play flat. We play we we play a, a passing game which involves passing and then not moving, which was what was happening yesterday on numerous occasions. We seem to lack that uh, that that mouse in, in midfield, and we seem to have. Four or five players that were totally off form, uh, weren't at the races. Uh, you know, I can go Gale, who is a shadow of the player he was at the start of last season. Um, and you know, what I've heard is that there's something psychological in that lad's head. I think I said it last week that he he's turned into a Daniel Sturridge. The man doesn't yeah. want to move any more than 60% uh, because he's worried sick that his hamstring's going to go again. And yeah. um, we we had Perez, who you know will. We'll move and move and move all day, um, but along with Atsu and along with uh, Mbemba and along with one or two other players yesterday, seemed to turn up in a pair of plimsolls rather than 
boots were studs in because the number of times we saw players fall over. We had Richie who was off form. Uh, there was one particular occasion, if you remember, we had uh, we had a free kick. He he hoed the ball into the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't go anywhere. It came back out of him. He had a second goal. He didn't get anywhere. He even had a third goal and still couldn't pin his man and ping the ball into the box. And you're thinking, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. It's not exactly difficult to cross a ball and get some flight and elevation into mm-hmm. it and and land it on you know on the head of you know a full box and, and hope that one of your big six foot two six foot three defenders or attackers if that's what you want to call them can can get on the end of it um, and you talk about Elliot I heard you talking about the goalkeepers early mm-hmm. on distribution wise well the man shot uh, and I watched Pickford the other night mm-hmm. and you see Pickford pinging balls sidewinders you know out of the, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the from the edge of the box and he's hitting them like 60 yards and landing them on a sixpence um, and then we've got Elliot who you know I think four or five times yesterday the ball his clearances went straight into touch mm. you know hey great if you're playing in the rugby league or the rugby union and you're looking for yardage but absolutely no good on a football pitch and that's why you've got the likes of Rafa Benitez looking for the likes of Pepe Reina to come in and be a goalkeeper who can be a leader as you've been talking about mm. who can who can be a commanding figure in the changing mm. room uh, and hopefully he can speak French as well as Spanish and English and, and maybe he's a bit of Irish as well so that Clark can understand, the cells can understand and Bemba can understand and Lejeune when he's back in the pitch can understand um, because that's what we need we've, we've, we've said for years haven't we guys that we've lacked a leader, we've lacked a mm-hmm. captain and we're talking about the cells and I heard you say there the cells a young lad who came in and was willing to square up to certain players and mm. tell them what he thought of them um, at the end of the, the previous season. And now all of a sudden he gets the captain's armband. You know what? <laughs> He's not the best footballer in the world. And if we had better, he wouldn't be in the team, and, and, mm, and true, quite frankly. Um, and yet, there he is, uh, wearing the armband. We need, we need leaders. We need leaders around that pitch. And that's what you have in the Premier League. You have players who lead, the lead by example, the lead by talking their way through games, the lead by what they can do on the pitch, and and that instills the confidence of the rest. I can't see anybody there that's, that's instilling confidence in these teammates, quite frankly, at the moment. Um, and this is Rafa's big problem, um, and he's, he's got to lift these players. Maybe he's on Wednesday night, we'll get a result. But maybe, at, at, at this stage of the season, I don't think Rafa's going to go out and play um, a weekend team in the cup. Um, even though we've got a game on on Saturday, I think he's going to go out. Uh, with, I'm hoping so, with a frame of mind that says, you know what, guys, we've got. To, I want to see a performance from you, mm. and I want to then take that performance into the next 90 minutes against West Ham, who are scoring goals but are leaking them for fun at the other end. What do you think, Neil? I'm not sure he's going to do that, like. But what do you think, Neil? Well, we need to we need to do. Something needs to be resolved here. So we need a breakthrough in some way, shape or form. Yes, we need players out as well. I think putting Savia on the bench when the other players could have sat yeah. there at the, week, at the weekend was a message. It was an absolute message. And it wasn't a message to Savia, look, you've been a good boy in training this week and we're going to give you a chance. I don't think that's the message that's been sent out with that. Um, the fact we had no defenders on the bench. What's going on there? What's happened to Jesus Gomez? Can he not? Is he is he not risen yet? You know, I I just I don't know. 
Um, it, 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 it's all part of this. I don't want to call it a game. What do I want to call it? It's part. Tell of you what it is, Neil. It's the, the dark arts, across. isn't it? It's yeah. the dark, the dark arts that we've seen played, been played at football clubs, and the dark arts that all of a sudden, for the first, I mean, he's been here three seasons, and all of a sudden, I'm reading in the paper today how much Jack Colback's supposed to be on a week. Where's that story come from? I've never heard anything in the papers over the last three mm. years that, that gave any yeah. indication that Jack Colback was on seventy grand a week. All of a sudden, with a week to go and with Newcastle under pressure and with Rafa allegedly under pressure and with there being no money around we're suddenly getting told ooh well he's on 70 then we got told that John Joe Shelby was on 80 I yeah. I've never read that before and, and so it goes on there's little there's, there's obviously something behind some people behind the scenes trying to trying to play something here and mm. I don't think it's Rafa um, because I don't think Rafa would be going out and saying no, so and so is no. on 15, 16, no. 70 grand a week. I think what we've got is we've got people who are saying this is why I'm not. This is why Newcastle are not selling because these players are on too much, um, no. and and they're not pointing the finger at the players. They're just pointing at the fans and saying, guys, this is why we're not. This is what's happening because nobody wants them. But it's not even an indication that they're trying to ship them out. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, there's games being played, and I think Rafa's may well be playing games, but I think there's other people out there playing games around Newcastle United and using the media um, and using certain newspapers that are coming in, and we're seeing it's the same same one. We've got now got a London-centric uh, radio station, like I said today, that's, that's hammering Rafa and hammering the fans and asking the question, why are you idolising this man? What's going on? The reason that Rafa's idolised is he's the finest manager we've had since Bobby Robson. And he's, the, he's we've, we've, we've all bandied behind Rafa Benitez over the last season and a half. He's the best thing that could happen. He, he is one of the top six managers in the world when it comes to the knowledge of the game, organisation. You look at the clubs he's been to, the look at the experience he's got. He's certainly a top ten. You know, maybe he's a top six, maybe he's unpushing it a little bit at the moment, given the fact that he hasn't had any success for a couple of seasons. Discounting obviously the fact that he put got us promoted first time out. But this is this is what's getting to me. The fact that there's games being played and I, there's an article up on the Fans United website that that sums up for me. We need a billionaire with ambition, not a billionaire that that is wanting to play games behind the scenes. Not a billionaire that's saying you can come and buy us. But by the way, I'm, it's not for sale, but it is for sale. But it might be for sale. But <laughs> I want this. I want that. I want you to buy a box before I talk. Yeah, or I want to see the colour of your knickers, whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. God knows what what goes on. What was your um, What was your thoughts when it came to Joey Barton's comments tonight, telling Rafa just to get on with it? Your well, thoughts? that's Joey, isn't it? Joey's anything for a headline. Anything mm-hmm. for a headline. Rafa knows that he has to get on with it. And if the, if that comment would come in next Monday when the transfer window's shut, fair enough, I'd, I would accept that. But in terms of the fact that Rafa's still out there, he's still trying to casual and coax players to come to Newcastle United, he's still trying to get the club to do the wheeling and dealing that's needed, he's still prodding and poking, he's still pushing for a goalkeeper because he's 
his emphasis is, if you want to get me out, I need a goalkeeper. You've, you've seen where we are. Um, I need. He needs another striker. He needs. A, he needs Mitrovic out of the door by all mm. accounts because he doesn't rate Mitrovic. Because otherwise, Mitrovic would have been playing in the last two games. Um, Mitrovic mm. is one of those centre forwards that doesn't know how to jump. You know, absolutely yeah. useless. Now, the man mm. cannot jump. The man cannot bring other people into the game. Um, he's he's a Serbian who can play really really good and get goals for his national team. You know. Mm. Um, and that happens time and time again with certain types of footballers who they go away and the pride's there and they're, they're pushing for it. Mitrovic at the moment, um, for me anyway, as though as much as you'd like to see a barnstorming centre forward, mm-hmm. he's 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 not done it for Newcastle United. And as as was, I think the word liability was used and has been used many many occasions, but. Again, no doubt tomorrow we'll be finding out that he can't go on loan because he's on £50,000 a week. It's not very long ago that we were, that Newcastle United were putting out the stories that they didn't have a single player on over £35,000. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, who do you believe? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely there's a war of attrition going on deep into the, deep in that club and the fact that money is being banged about that this player and that player well the the only person that would know that but, uh, you would think is this guy what was that guy's name we talked about last week um, I think you said it Neil I can't remember his name but there's somebody Lee Charnley is the accountant he would know the name, he would know how much I, know, I, know, I can't remember the guy's name but I know the guy you mean that somebody was allegedly Justin. brought in back mm-hmm. earlier at the back end of last season uh, that Ashley wanted to bring into the club. Right? Was it? Now his name was mentioned at the, at the fans forum a couple of weeks ago, yeah. um, and somebody asked a question: What was his role? And he said, and what we were told by Lee Charney was his role has nothing to do with football side of it. He's there on the business side. He's there um, bringing his business expertise into whatever it happens to be, whether that was marketing whether that was um, selling, uh, I don't know, anything from executive boxes to going out. More than likely, he was there to try and establish exactly whether or not, <laughs> because we've had the statement that's come out so many weeks later, he's there to try and sell the football club on behalf mm. of Mike Ashley, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. I think yeah. if, if, we, if we wanted to read into anything and we wanted to mm. convince ourselves about anything, then it's that. And again, we have stories that come out in the press stories that, that that are there on a Saturday and I think it's in one of the other early, earlier articles that were on Fans United uh, that there's, there's some sovereign wealth fund from the United Arab Emirates that's out there looking to invest we've got an, a, a woman's name that Amanda Stavely, Stavely yeah. earlier was, was supposed to be out there and uh, has, has previously uh, been linked with, with Premier League clubs and that was one of our targets now and we said last week that well, one of the targets is already gone because it's Southampton, and that's mm-hmm. good for Newcastle because they had an eighty percent stake taken on by well, a Chinese investor. But you know, these, she's probably just one of many. And Neil and I know we've come across people before. We've spoken to people. Yeah. We've met with people who mm-hmm. have been interested in Newcastle United in the past, and it's come to nothing. And um, yeah. maybe this one we, might have some more legs. Let's hope it does. Going to say we could tell some tales, perhaps write a book one day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> write a book, make a film. Well, I, I, well, I one chap in particular who promised promised the earth, and he didn't deli- even deliver moon dust. I mean, he, he was he was bizarre. Him. 
on his motorbike <laughs> up from Birmingham. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. That's a, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> the, interesting thing, the interesting thing is that, because obviously I, I do a bit of marketing, well, um, managed Stavely to actually get into any conversation with Amanda Stavely, it's very, very, very difficult. And you've got to, you can't actually get her. You've got to go to people that may know her, but you, obviously in marketing, you risk um, something by saying, well, I want to speak to you, but I really want to speak to Amanda Stavely. So it is very, I wouldn't say it's impossible at the moment, but uh, we're trying, put that way, to, but we, it's, it is... Like I'm trying various things because of real estate to get to to see if we can speak to her in some regards because you know it wouldn't take it wouldn't take much to get somebody in front of Amanda Stavey and say well listen this is what's happened in the past um, how much do you think you know to give her to give her the the prices that been quoted before what he's looking for so you know Andrew Andrew. The Cash United had a free worldwide advert from mm. thanks to Sky, didn't they? Mm. They had a free worldwide advert. Ashley put the club up for sale mm. on Sky TV. It went all around the world. But it's not just that. It'll have been it'll have been mentioned and it'll it'll have been it'll have been publicised well well before that. And all those football fixers are out there who are out there will will know for a fact what's going on with the Cash United. And and whether it's an an, an Amanda Stavely's of this world or whether it's somebody else, there are there are probably dozens of of um, companies like her company that um, have access to to funds in countries all around the world and, and sovereign funds from the Middle East to companies in the states, companies in the Far East. There's lots and lots of these people out there that all think they have a piece of the action and all want a piece of the action. And if there's a if there's a chance of making money by being a broker um, in a purchase of Newcastle United, um, and then believe you me, those people will be will be pulling pulling strings. And companies like that lady who we've been talking about, I'm sure mm-hmm. her company will be well aware of what's going on. And if if it's on, if it's if if football's been on their radar um, for the last two seasons, because apparently she was involved with trying to buy Liverpool um, a couple of seasons ago, um, and it didn't come off. So if if that's the case, then let's let's not be surprised. This this particular individual will know, um, and and but so will others. It's not be the only one. Um, there'll be other people sniffing around. It's just a case of what sort of what sort of deal uh, needs to be pulled for to get Newcastle United. And we know that this man will play hardball. The only difference we have is at the moment he's saying that he wants that he's 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 wanting out. He's put mm-hmm. the advert out exactly. there. In the yeah. past, he's put it out reluctantly because people have been calling them names outside the ground or. His family got abused, I think, and he, <laughs> yeah. he got upset yeah. by it. So yeah. that's the, you know, but this time it's different. This time he's decided, you know, yeah, I, I can't, he said, I can't compete. So he's looking now for people who are willing to come in and compete uh, with what he classed as countries. And, you know, to me, there's, there's never been a Newcastle fan out there who was expecting him to, to lash out to a 200-150 million on, on uh, to Rafa Benitez but what we expected was that 
if Rafa was looking for a particular player and it was going to cost 15 or 16 or 20 million that the money would be made available and it's pretty obvious that that's where the Reneagans come from uh, I did the, like the I did like Rafa's comment didn't he I did like his comment when he said uh, I know what I said so I know what I said and I know what Mike Ashley said uh, Quite, and, and, and I also, did like that yeah, yeah and also that he knows what Mike Ashley said is is probably the key to it and Mike Ashley this something's gone on and it's it's this it's this old adage isn't it uh, you can have whatever you can raise Newcastle United have spent 37 million pound I think we read earlier that Huddersfield have spent 47 million and and Brighton have spent 57 million mm. and there's the three clubs that have come up um, and and why why are we 20 million behind the likes of Brighton who are scraping 20,000 and 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 10 10 million behind Huddersfield who are scraping attendances at 20,000 and, and and spent had to spend money on on making a press box, that's what they had to do. They had to they had to build a press box and build press facilities in their ground. You know, we've we've got everything, everything, the whole infrastructure is in place in Newcastle United. But the, the academy, because I keep on hearing the academy. Well, not you know um, what, Rafa decided that he didn't want anything to happen uh, with either the training ground or the academy. Uh, Rafa said, that as far as he was concerned, he didn't want the disruption of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the training ground. He wanted to build round it, and he wants to have a different. He wanted the he wanted the big, the 4G pitch, the indoor pitch. He wanted that facility put in place, and then he wanted them to review. And as soon as Ashley found that out, he's gone. Whoa, brilliant! I didn't have to spend the money. Now the academy. We can talk about the academy. And we can talk about a lot of fans are talking about Gibson, the young lad who, mm. at 17 year old, after one year, decided he wanted to go. Uh, hey, somebody. Somebody offered him a massive lumper. He's he's just turned 17 year old and he had his head turned, and it didn't take much to turn his head because, by all accounts, he he had fallen out with with one or two people, and so had his family. So it didn't take much for him to, to walk out the door because it was always his plan to walk out the door. And I've heard that from people who have got kids up at the academy at the moment, and um, it didn't come as a surprise to any of the any of the lads in the academy that he was going because he had said he was going. And, and Everton stepped in and at that stage there's nothing you can do if a youngster wants to go um, that that was that one you know the other lads we've got some some cracking players in the academy that they've sent out uh, on loan or just come out of the academy and they were given contracts last season and we've got them out on loan and some some and I've, I've been to see under 20 games under 21 games uh, I've been to see academy games and there's some decent players there's there's a friend of mine was was at the game last week, and he came back raving about one particular character. And he said, "Yeah, there was one one lad. I'm, I'm not going to try and guess his name because I can't remember it at the moment. Um, maybe it's by next week, and I've had a, had the conversation, <laughs> and I've remembered it with him. But uh, we, we have got players out there, you know. Um, and yes, I've, I've been to the academy, and I've I've been round the academy. I've I've had the opportunity to speak to Joe Joyce and the coaches and see how the setup uh, works and listen to how they how they build the players up and how how they use the players and 
the training regimes that they put in place and, and how it works. And it's just the same as everything I've heard on TV that happens at Man United, the, the technology that they're using, uh, the, the technology that's used at, at Southampton and at, and at Chelsea and all the other academies. It's just a case of where, where, the, where those players are wanting to be next and, mm. and what's looking. I've, I've just read... Chelsea have got 62 players signed up on their books. <laughs> 62. And that's not just that's not including their academy. There's 62 players. For They've got 26 players out on loan. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 they've just made, really. and they've just made 150 million pounds in selling players. The likes of Ake for 20 million. You know, and they just at the article in the paper during the week, at the weekend, it said. It's a football form, and that football form has has benefited Chelsea to the tune of 150 million by the players that they've sold. <laughs> phenomenal, absolutely mm. phenomenal. And then you look where those players are. De Bruyne, for example, you know, made an absolute fortune on him. Mm. Um, Salah, they bought Salah and sold them. You know, they, 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 there's a lot of players out there that have had, had that have drifted through Chelsea's uh, books. You know. Yeah. It's the interesting thing about the interesting thing of that I took from um, when Rafa has been talking, uh, Steve obviously Neil next, but he 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 says he saw. Listen, there might be a few surprises in the final week of the window. We'll get we might get more than what uh, people think we'll get in the final week. Now, it obviously we've been linked again. We've been linked with Andy Carroll again. I know that um, <laughs> yesterday, I, I noticed yesterday Neil jumped straight in like he does when the the water's warm to try and get atta- you know have a pop of my gated angel. But um, you know the the fact that I think he's injured anyway. But um, of course he's injured. <laughs> it <laughs> doesn't make it doesn't make me feel any better no, trying to no. trying to get him back. Want, but I'm, Andrew want use not history. Of course he's injured. Been injured for four four years, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I I, I, I think Townsend I think Townsend could be the surprise. I was, yeah. That's what I was getting at before I was rudely interrupted. When he signs for Leicester, you mean? <laughs> 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 he better not bloody sign for Leicester. But um, I'll bring obviously I've got I'm going to bring in my next guest this evening. You can stay there as well, Steve. So yeah. I'm going to bring in Lee Johnson. Good evening, Lee. How are you? I'm all right, you. I know too bad. So, do you think it's a crisis? What's going on? Or are you? Um, and I know it's obviously your Twitter. You're very uh, when, uh, bullish when it comes to Newcastle with Rafa Benitez. We can do, be anything we want to be. But with what's going on, has it dampened your order when it comes to the team? Because you were there yesterday, and I thought personally we were shocking from one minute from minute one. What do you think? Um. <laughs> It was shocking. Take us back to last year when we lost our first two, uh, our first two games in the championship. I was very pucker about our our, our chances, but at that particular mm-hmm. point in time, there was none of this. Um, there was none of this rumbling and this mm-hmm. underlying and problems in the background going on at the time. Um, yeah. Obviously, we've lost our first two games. Thought we did all right against Tottenham until the show we sent off yesterday. It wasn't a great game, and I would say they weren't any better than we were. Um, I think it was, it was always going to be one goal was going to win it, and unfortunately they got it. Um, 
So it wasn't the best game, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm concerned on the on the basis of the fact that <laughs> Mike Ashley's clearly lying again. <laughs> it's just it's just boring. I mean, I just think how many how many air flash bombs does it need to go off in his brain before he's gonna like take stop that once you when you make mistakes and it leads to relegation. <laughs> you can stop me. He's petrified. The, th- this, oh. the thing is that Lee, he's absolutely petrified of going down. That, that interview, probably the one thing that struck me is petrified. Now, if you're petrified mm-hmm. of losing all this money, you must think there must be a light bulb going off thinking, I'm going to lose all this bloody money if I, I'm trying to sell the club and I'm going to lose that money. And he's, he's, he's basically trying to you know, through his dealings with, with Rafa Benitez, who it just comes across to me is that because he doesn't like somebody who is a control freak. But I can imagine Mike Hassey with sport with his company is a control freak. Sounds yeah, the reason, I, doesn't it? I, I mean, at the end of the day, Rafa Benitez is trying to do the best for Newcastle United. He's of course wanting to do well for himself. He wants to show, showcase his talent as a manager, but that showcasing his talent as a manager will be doing the best for Newcastle United Football Club. Exactly, if you look back when Kevin Keegan was in charge, Kevin and Mike Ashley, Kevin Keegan wanted to showcase his talents as a manager. But unfortunately, if you've got someone who's undermining your authority in terms of, uh, from a football point of view, ultimately, something's going on again. I, I, I think a couple of fans saying Rafa should just get on with it, doddy, doddy, doddy. Why should he just get on with it, man? Oh, who, who are these people defending? Mike Ashley's got previous... Can any a couple of fans stand there and tell me in the last 10 years they've enjoyed any any moment under this man's tenure. It's just tiresome. It's getting boring. There's been 40,000 season tickets sold on the back of Rafa Benitez. Not by Gaspi, on the back of Rafa Benitez. When we got relegated last, when we got relegated two years ago, the only reason why the, the, the club was harmonised is because Benitez stayed. And he's done little things which have just brought the community back together with the club. That was a massive thing. I mean, you know some of the lads who work behind the scenes on the um, media side of things. You know, like that Lee Marshall and all that. Seriously, mm-hmm. them lads, right, who, have, who, who, who again have worked, even if you look at Newcastle's Twitter account, where, you know, it was all falling in line. It was, you know, it was communicating. There was com- great communication between fan base and that kind of thing, which was miles apart. They must literally, when he gets involved or starts talking, bang their head off a brick wall and think, mm-hmm. they will go away. They will go again, because they're the ones on the front line they're running the accounts when things aren't going well, where people are going to kind of voice their frustrations on, because you can't do it at Mike Ashley. He doesn't turn up at football matches. And when he feels under pressure, he turns up on TV, um, smiling, mm. telling you that he's sorry, uh, but then smiling. Uh, and like I said, it's getting, it's getting boring. And it's, it's, only going to, it's only going to end one way. I do think that, I do think Benitez is very loyal to this group of football and I don't think he'll actually, unlike what like Kevin Keegan did, uh, I don't think he'll actually move. I think he'll um, stick it out. But I, only, but I only see him sticking it out until the end of the season. He only signed a three-year deal. At the end of the day, if every if he wants to better make Newcastle better than what they are and the, the owner's not allowing him to do so, there's going to be plenty of offers out there for someone like Rafa Benitez, a man of his talents, to go manage. So it's frustrating from a fan's point of view, and look, if Benitez did walk, that's it, mind. Mm. The stadium has to empty mind. I mean, I, I, I joined the boycott a few years ago when I actually didn't go back after Tottenham. I stayed out for the remainder of the season. Obviously, I still had my season ticket, but my, my seat stayed empty. It killed us, absolutely killed us, but 
this man has to go, man. He's got no interest in, in, in trying to move this club forward. It's it's he's, he's basically football and cancer here in the North East mm. as far as I'm concerned. I'm I'm bored of the man I'm bored of him. Everything everything's negative and he really I know. and I've said it a million times, yeah. really, 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 really doesn't understand what he's got here as a football club. He could make a and the thing is, Andrew, he could make a fortune off it. I think uh, before Steve, I know you've got to go in a minute, but everything is in place, isn't there now for yep. the fans to get involved? To to you know because obviously we we were split, but now we seem to be, we seem to be all together. Everything is in place. If 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 we can get to the decision maker to have this conversation, either in Dubai with obviously Neil being there, but or in the northeast or in London, you could. You know, in your capacity, there is a way to say, right, okay, boom, uh, this is this is what Newcastle is about, right, Steve? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not for us to go out and find a find a, a buyer, but what it is is we've got to we've got to let whoever is out there know that as as football fans, which we've done, which we've been constantly doing as supporters, that you know Newcastle United is is unique. It's it's special. We're a one city football club, you know, one club in, in the city. We're, we've it, it, a new owner coming in would rejuvenate the whole place. The the, mm. the goodwill that a new owner would would get from as <laughs> as the word it's a strong word to use, but I know what you mean. The cancer that that mm. that, that has been lingering at the football club, the disease that 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 we have at the moment. Um, that needs to be washed out and cleaned out, and the wound needs to be stitched up, and and we need to be back out there as a as a healthy club again, um, and and that's what we're crying out for. The fans are crying out for that. You can hear in, in, in Lee's voice exactly what it means to him, and, 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 and he's not the only one. He's one mm. of thousands and thousands of us out there. The same the same thing. We've got to what we've got to do is we we've, we've got to shout from the rooftops that. Not that, not Ashley, 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 out, out, out. Just mm. please, please, please help, help us push mm. him out. You know, help us get him out the door. Let's let's make the castle the most positive place in the world mm. that a buyer would want to come mm. and take on and and make it easy for Mike Ashley to be able to sell the football club because if he comes up and he asks for whatever he asks for, that we can convince the owners, the new owners, whoever they are, that if that's what he wants. Give it to him to get rid of him because what you would be getting in exchange would be something that would never, never be forgotten. Um, you know, it, you would, you know, they, they, they could take the time bridge home with them and plant it in the back garden if they wanted to. You know, it would. We, we wouldn't really be bothered. You know, <laughs> we can we can dismantle the engine of the north and put it wherever they like. You know, I mean, as in pet lads have done it before with moving bridges and monuments. Would, we can do it again I, if that's what they're wanting. You know, what, would, what do you think would happen? He, he'll never. He, for all the talk about even I, you know, we keep on hearing that he's close to the edge, but. This, I can't imagine Rafa Benitez walking out of Newcastle this season. Can you? No, I, I, I'm, I don't think so. I think there's more likelihood that Rafa um, going the other way. Rafa's, Rafa's a proud man. If, if, if it gets to the point where Rafa t- turned around and said, guys, you know what, I, I can't get any further with this. Mm. But I don't think we're at that stage. Uh, far from it. 
I think he's I think he's disillusioned with what's happening around him, but he's certainly not disillusioned with the the fans. And I think what would happen is that if anything, rather than a walk, and it would be a case of of Ashley trying to push him, you know, um, I think there's more likelihood of that than there is of of of, of uh, Rafa going. Um, but whether or not that, that pushes because they've tied both his hands behind his back and he can't stop himself being pushed out the door, who knows? But uh, no, and I, I I can't see it. I know he was upset. I know I listened to Steve last week saying mm-hmm. how upset the man was, um, and and how frustrated he is, um, and I think that frustration's building. You can see him on the touchline. He's mm-hmm. he's working his socks off, and I'm sure he's working his socks off every day. He'll, he'll, he'll be working with that squad. We need to get the squad back on the front foot. We need that that pass and move, pass and move type of yeah, pace I game agree. that's played yeah. in the Premier League. Not the not the pass and watch pass and admire yeah. that we've yeah. been doing, um, that we were doing yesterday. We, we need we need a, and that's Some, why we, that's yeah. what he's looking for. He's looking for the leader on the pitch that's going to go out there and get them to do it. Um, and, yeah. and we need someone who can put the ball in the back of the net. We need yeah. people who can cross a ball. For God's sake. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, thanks for coming on, Steve. We'll, we'll, thanks, we'll, guys. We'll, we'll, I know you had to pop off, but thanks for coming on, as ever. Exhilarating. It always gives you a lesson. Yeah. This, I tell you. Thanks a lot, Steve. Till next Take week, care. mate. Take Bye. care. See you, Neil. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. The one thing, Neil, I'll ask, I'll ask, um, I'll ask uh, Lee in a minute on this one, but um, you know the one thing that summed up, Mo Diame uh, had the ball yesterday, got the ball, he, he got it back, and then, for some inexplicable reason, summed up the whole Newcastle performance, he kicks the ball back to nobody in midfield, and they storm at us. Now, there was three oh, or I four couldn't believe that. Mis- misplaced mm. passes like that by three or four of the players, Andrew, from what mm. I saw of it. Yeah, um, I, I think we seem to have lost... There's, there seems to be something missing in terms of the game plan. Because it looks like we've got, and, and yes, you can blame injuries to an extent, but it's not all about injuries, and, and your squad shouldn't be that thin. It's just like it looks, just looks like we've got square pegs in round holes, mm-hmm. and so therefore things are just going awry. But we still haven't answered answered the question that we couldn't answer last year in a squad full of potential number tens. Who's the best number mm-hmm. ten? De Jong wasn't anywhere near it, was he? Again, surprised by no. that one. He probably had a nasty accident with a squirrel or something like <laughs> Don't start and put on. You were there yesterday, Lee, and uh, uh, the fans were all, you know, what was, what was, what was, what was you're, you're watching it, and as Neil said, there's definitely something happening that, you know, they're, they're not gelling, but, you know, you could, you could hear the frustration. Obviously, we had a, a we had a nice shot by, um, I forgot his name now, um, in the opening couple of minutes, uh, Richie. Uh, yeah, Richie, and it was very unlucky. Very unlucky that that Richie. went great, and but that missed by Perez. I did. You did. They went straight to Rafa, and he was just sitting there. He couldn't believe that he missed it. So, you know, you're there. You're on. The, you're you're watching them. And it's it's different. Different watching on TV, but it's like there was that intensity. Of the last time we played Hull City, where we, you know, we thoroughly matched them, we we took them, we took them on, 
Well, I, would, I mean, Andrew were much of yesterday. It wasn't a good game, and they they didn't play very well neither. Mm. And they scored they scored one goal with probably mm. their only meaningful shot on target. I can't remember Rob Elliott actually doing anything, but obviously vice versa, their goalkeeper didn't do a great. Actually, you know what it is? Richie pretty much hit his shot from the same, same place that um, where they scored their goal from. Their goalkeeper makes a world class save. Mm. I was uh, well, he wasn't saving it. I was literally right behind it. Um, we didn't play well, granted, but the problem is with Newcastle at the minute. Everything, everything that's going on behind the scenes. If we don't get a good result, this, it's just going to bump. It's, it's, it's bubbling along. Everything bubbles along. Everyone, everyone wants to talk not about the performance. Everyone wants to talk about what's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, people focusing on the negativity which is coming across in Rafa's body language and obviously when he's given interviews because they're asking him one particular question. Mm-hmm. They're not asking him about the football. Mm. Ask them about what's going on behind the scenes. It's every kind of game. It's nothing to do with the results. The end of the day, we've lost our first two games. Uh, I, I, myself as a fan, if Rafa Benitez is here uh, come May next year, I'm, I'm 100% convinced, regardless of who comes in and out, I, I believe we'll stay in the league. I, I'm, I'm convinced he'll get us organised and we'll do enough to stay in this league. Mm. Um, and what I really want to do as a fan, and I hope our fans are the same, I want to get behind it. I want to get behind it. I want to get behind this group of players because, regardless of what people think about um, certain players' abilities, um, I think they're all 100 percenters. There's no, there's no shrinking violets. They don't hide. They'll continue to play. They might not be good enough. There's, there's a difference between being good enough and hiding. We've had plenty of players over the years, chances, hiders, people who have kind of had. Have had, have, had, have had better ability than what we've got, what, what we're seeing in front of us at this particular time. But I don't think any of these are allowed to string in violence. And I think if the fan base gets behind the manager, his staff, these players, and just says a big, you know, big FU to everyone else, Ashley, the media who are loving it at the minute, because everyone wanted us to fail last year, Andrew. After those first two games, they were jumping on my backs. Everyone wanted us to fail, and they're doing it again. Everyone wants us to fail. Everyone says, oh, Newcastle United fans, they're this, they're that, they're that, they're, they're, they're deluded, they do this. But to be honest with you, Newcastle, they keep saying Newcastle's a small club. Christ, everyone talks about us constantly, man. That I was talking about us, apparently they're talking yeah. about us on Sky tonight. It's always us, 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 us. And we've got an inferiority complex, apparently. I don't think so. We are big news, and that's why the likes of Rafa Benitez actually wanted to manage us. Yeah, true. And yeah, and that's what Mike Ashley and that's what Mike Ashley feels to realise what he's got here. If he wants Newcastle United correct, and I've said it a million times, Newcastle can be anything they want to be. Mm. What do you, uh, again back to football a little bit? Uh, but like, what did you? I'll ask Neil this first, and you can chime in. But yeah. what did, what did you think about Joselu when he came on? Um, I've got a friend of mine who's in here in my house, reckons he's ace. But what did you think, Neil? Uh, should have been on earlier. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If you're going to introduce him, should have made that change earlier because I think he did, he did more in the time he was on the pitch than Gale did in the time he was on the pitch. And so was Gale injured, lads, when he went off. By the way, can I just ask? Cause uh, I've never watched it. He didn't look injured to me. I've never watched. I've never. I've never watched. I've never watched the highlights back. I would have. I wouldn't have minded seeing coming coming on alongside Gale. Mm. Yeah, with I, melancholy. Yeah. It's like he looks scared, isn't he? It's like you watch Gale and like, because maybe they they know, but you wouldn't have played him, would he, if he thought was if he thought he was having a problem, surely. No. no, he wouldn't have because 
you know that's not his way, is it? And I'll be stunned this week if he plays his strong, his strongest team because the game on Saturday is now really big. I don't even know. I don't even know who we're playing on Saturday, but um, West, Ham. West Ham at home. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tricky one. That especially with Hernandez scoring a couple of games, a couple of goals. Well, I mean, it's, they've lost their first two games. Um, we've lost our first mm-hmm. two games. True, yeah. um, nobody's really talking about. No one. Uh, Bournemouth lost their first two games. Bournemouth spent about fifty million this summer. No one's talking about them. Um, mm-hmm. So, at the end of the day, there'll be a big crowd on Saturday. It'll be boisterous. I'm telling you now. I think everyone's a little bit up at ninety. Um, I just, like I said, I just hope everyone's just gonna. The fans as well are just going to like siege mentality, dig in. Well, the, the, prob- the problem again. I see, the problem I see is we're in the final week of the window, right? And mm. normally on the final week of every single bleeding window, have Newcastle United gone out and bought a couple of players or been linked to on the final day? We never have. We've been linked with them, but we never seem to get them over the way, over the over the line. So, oh my God, you've just. I know. I couldn't. I, I realised when I said it. Never see that ever again. <laughs> so that, and plus, if you look at Alan Paul, you're actually on TV. He's he's letting them. Um, he's let himself down with some of his some of his um, you know, wordplay. He's not doing very well. And he keeps on saying, saying them mortal words. Trust me. Trust me. Well. Yeah. It's shocking that Sky would get a guy that on TV, but it's this is the problem. It's going to be if we're being linked with a few players and strong links with them, then we're going to sign a few because he he, he needs to do something. We can't wait till January. Uh, you know, you don't want to get to October not win the game. This this is what could happen. So, you know, to me, how many players do you think he needs in? And I think a lot of players are out, Neil. I think. Do you, what do you think? I, I think well, a lot of them will I, go out. I said this last week, Andrew, and I'll say it again. The curious nature of this window with the money that's being spent, I think you've got a cluster of clubs who um, have got players that people want. You've got a cluster of clubs who have some money, but not as much money as the people who are paying silly money. Yeah. And I think it's all going to go down the wire, and we're going to be sitting on the last day either scratching our heads saying, well, where the hell do we go now? Or saying, well, that was a pleasant surprise in the last few minutes of the window. Mm. Either way, it's all going to be down to the last minute. Um, That's my opinion. I could be totally wrong. Mm. Um, And I I think that's important for us getting players out. I think there's going to be a lot of clubs playing brinksmanship in that respect. See, it's funny, isn't it, when you watch, like, you know, Jack Colbeck. Um, see, obviously, he's been told he's no long, no longer required. I'm actually quite surprised that Sunderland haven't came in for him to take him off our hands, considering with their season has started. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised that one. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go down very well, would it? But who cares? As long as, as long as you get another guy off the wage. But uh, I'm going to bring in my next caller of the night. And obviously, uh, Chris Parry calling from the United States of America. Uh, you watched the game on, on, uh, on Sunday. Um, were you as disappointed like everybody else was? Yeah, it, it, uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it made me question why I'm a Newcastle United fan. And it just really did. I'm watching it going, 
why did I get up at six o'clock in the morning to watch this? You know, at the end, I went and mowed my mowed my lawn because I was so ticked off. I just needed to blow off some steam. So I guess at that point, at least at that point, it it helped me mow my grass. But uh, I think the problem is, guys, is it it just seems like there is no way that Newcastle is going to score a goal this year, at least in the first couple games. I mean, first couple matches. Well, no, of course you know strikers, and we know, we, we know you know that they don't grow on trees, and it, it's tough to get good ones. But uh, it, it's kind of disconcerting. Clearly, Newcastle can defend. I mean, yeah, I love how commentators. What cracks me up is I don't think Huddersfield was that good either. It cracks me up. All it takes is one goal, and commentators all of a sudden turn in to think like one team's dominating the other. They didn't dominate Newcastle. They had one moment of brilliance. They had a couple passes together, and Moy put it together. He, he had a heck of a shot. Yeah, we've seen Richie do that on several occasions last year in the championship, and it would you know kind of rescue a, a victory for Newcastle when they didn't play very well. Um, so that's kind of what I thought. I don't know about you guys. I really thought that I mean Newcastle really easily could have got out of there with a draw. They didn't even play very well. I mean Ozzy Perez, this is the EPL son. When you get a volley in front of the goal and there is no goalkeeper and all there is is a net, you have got to put that in the back of the net. I mean, you just have to. You're onside. That was a sitter in the EPL. He missed it completely. And it, the problem is that that's just happening more and more and more. We just do not have the guys who can put the ball in the back of the net. And if we don't get some, then we're going back down again. Yeah, I think that's the problem is that you you keep on thinking, well, you know, there's no way it can be allowed to go the way it's going, Lee. And he's, he's right, isn't he? Uh, Lee, when it comes like Chris is right, because you know, without firepower, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go down. The same as what happened to um, Middlesbrough, Lee. Absolutely, well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's quite clear that he's been in the market for well, he's definitely desperate. He's been desperate for the last year and a bit for a number ten, because um, I don't think he trusts that the ones that he's got to play. Um, and of course, he'll you'll want to add someone up front. I think that's kind of a given. Um, but unfortunately, um, centre forwards come at a premium rate, and we have the tightest billionaire in world football. And good centre forwards don't grow on trees. Maybe he's going to have to maybe come up with a plan if he gets a number ten in that he's happy with. That might change. So like, what we're like going forwards? Mm. Um, I'll be interested to see how we play on Saturdays on the West Ham. Uh, West Ham on top of Hotspur. I think we'll be certainly more um, on the front foot Saturday. I really do. Um, no, that, that, that's the problem with centre forwards, Andrew. And goal scorers, goal, goal scorers, centre forwards come at a premium. Um, you've just seen how much that bloody kid from uh, Burnley went to, went to uh, Watford for eighteen odd million or something for that Gray who scored what six, seven mm-hmm. goals in the Premier League. I mean, how am man? That just tells you everything you need to know about this window. And that Chris Woods just went for what? Fifteen. Fifteen million. He scored goals in the Championship. That would make Dwight Gale a thirty million pound footballer based on that mm-hmm. based on last season. So, uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, there's no, the problem is, Andrew, mm-hmm. there's no quick fix because yeah. uh, you, can't trust, you, you can't trust what's going on behind the scenes with the owner. <laughs> come, come September 1st, you know, we, God knows what's going to happen in the next week or so. It will make things a lot easier, but then if we don't, and we rumble into the last week of the window and we don't do any business, then 
Uh, well, we're, we're, got to, we're, going to, we're going to find it hard anyway to steal up Andrew. It was always going to be a struggle. I just, I mm. believe in the manager. I believe in what, I believe in, I believe in his ethics. I believe he'll get us organised and make us difficult to beat. I think touch, Chris touched on there that defensively we look okay. I totally agree with that. I think we've looked quite solid in the first two games. Even when we've had to, even when we had to play a member that uh, I back yesterday, we looked solid. It didn't look like we were going to concede. It was one moment of brilliance. Could have been us. So, uh, the centre forward thing, scoring goals, we're going to have to come up with a plan, basically, because I don't think the owner's going to help the manager with that. No, it's going to be. Well, the one. Be... Hey guys, guys, the one thing though that I mean, I'm sorry, I know Rafa, but you, why not give the, the what's his name, Adam? Why not give the, the Adam Armstrong kid or Josh, whatever his name is, a chance? Mm-hmm. All he does is keep scoring goals. Every time they put him out on loan, he keeps mm-hmm. scoring goals. Yet he can never get a look in. With Newcastle, and now you know, but we're short of strikers. That makes absolutely no sense. And one thing, the one thing that Newcastle is not learning, you can play younger players. You just can't play like five of them at the same time. You can see some of these clubs like Tottenham, and Tottenham's real good at it. You know, they'll 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 blend in one of their young guys. You know, maybe a 17 or 18 year old, but he's one out of an of a whole field of 10 veteran. EPL guys, so they can. But what Newcastle does is they're like, "Oh, we're going to play young guys. So let's throw four or five out there in a in an EPL match." It just doesn't work. It's a different level. It's a different strength level. It's a different physicality, and it's a different intensity. Because in the EPL, when you have a chance to score a goal, you have to do it. You just you just don't get that many opportunities, especially when you're fighting for your life down at the bottom, which is what it looks like Newcastle is going to be doing this year. Yeah, but Neil. When it comes when it comes when it comes to I think we brought this subject on Armstrong before. Uh, I remember he came on a couple of times. Uh, I think uh, in the when we were back in the Premiership, and he looked lightweight there. Uh, I'm not sure it's a well. You know, he, you know, Rafa's made his mind up, hasn't he? Because he, he was part of it, uh, the, the the team at the start of the team, but then quickly realised to put him back out loan, didn't he, Neil? Seemingly, um, it looks like Rafa's made his mind up on him. I mean, the, the, the kid does wonders at that at his age group levels, and always has. Mm-hmm. But you can name hundreds of players. You know, for everyone, Ryan Giggs that comes through every level of football, looking like a world beater to go on to be a world beater and more. Um, you've got you know two hundred players that don't, and mm-hmm. and there's obviously something there that Rafa doesn't just doesn't see. Um, we've got a terrible history of bringing young players on and letting them grow and adapt over the last 20 years. We really haven't developed as many players as we should have, as the region should have. You know, we're talking about Fraser Forster leaving the club and becoming a far better goalkeeper than he ever was going to be if he'd stayed. Uh, and isn't that a shame? You know, um, really, the only the only success story is Andy Carroll <laughs> when yeah. it comes to bringing guys through. Andy yeah. Carroll was and, like was a success story. They sold him. And, and what a rather rather short firework in relative terms he has been. Mm. You know, the, 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 it's a, it's test it's something about northeast football that even Sunderland aren't producing. And and mm. and I've and I said for years going back to when I lived in the UK, having seen it firsthand, having uh, had young Jossie going through the system in Durham and in Northumberland, the Durham system. Associated and linking into Sunderland's academy was far better organised and had far better equipment and far better levels of facilities 
and yet they're still not producing. You know, mm. we've got their last homegrown proper product mm. other than Pickford. Yeah. You know, um, and it's it, 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 it's a shame. It's a real shame. We we need to be in a position to develop all of that. And there's another challenge for any potential new owner. What do you do with these training facilities mm-hmm. that they've got all the planning permission in the world on, but no signs of actually doing anything with it? Mm-hmm. So there's some more money that will disappear down a, down a sinkhole for any potential new buyer. No, all of these things are challenges. All yeah, of I was them. Gonna, yeah, I was going to say, because obviously, Lee, you take your son there. In the past years, when we, you know, even when I went... There was always somebody in the team that he could relate to as a, as a as a local player. There's none, is there? No. You can no, I don't think we're not the only one, really. I think that's kind of happening all over. Uh, the youth really, the youth really doesn't get a chance unless they're um, gonna, you know, how can I put it? Break onto the scene like like a weird Rooney. Um, they have to be. Literally superstars these days. I think the club even give them a chance, so they don't necessarily develop right. I don't think they get um, they don't get enough game time. So some of them who might develop into very very good footballers don't get any kind of time to play in the Premier League. Like I said, they have to literally be world beaters before the certainly before the Premier League team gives them a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got to literally be well, like I said, in terms of William Rooney's standards, so I, I think that's gonna, that happens more and more. That's why that's probably why the England team is so poor. <laughs> Not like I care, like, but uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I just don't think you really get the chance these days. Um, it's a shame, but uh, I think that's modern-day football for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you have to relate to somebody, and it's funny, isn't it? Um, you know, I've, obviously, I think the two. Pl- I know you get stick, but I think the two players are going out of defence. Um, I actually thought Mbemba was okay. Uh, I know a lot of people being a fan of his, but uh, when you've got um, Mbemba in instead of Lejeune and uh, Paul Dummett there, um, you know that it's, it's, it seems to have affected something in the team because they, if they're not if they're not at it. In a game, really, respectively, we should win. Um, you know, yes, they didn't do much, but the, you know, you know, the the guy had like what he looked like he had twenty seconds or so before he scored. Even I knew he was going to score that goal when he went up when on his foot. It was it was it looked such an easy thing to do. I tell you something, though, Andrew, yeah. and I don't know if we touched on it much tonight. Um, the standard of that referee yesterday. Oh yeah, there was yeah. a lot of it was horrible. A lot yeah. of duplicity going on there, and a lot of double standards. Oh, horrible. That yeah. lad that cut him, cut Mbemba's head. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I know he yet. kicks him in the head. You're right. He kicks him in the head, deal, and like, oh, that's nothing. But yeah, we're gonna we're head. gonna give Hayden we're gonna give Hayden a talk to because he had a tackle and, where he took the ball. Andrew Blood. Yeah. And it was quite yeah, high, wasn't it? It wasn't just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you go and do that, try and go and do something with somebody that on Gateshead High Street. See how long, that's why. See how long you, see how long you last. In, in, that's in, why I never watched it back. I haven't watched the highlights back. I haven't, I haven't watched it back. Watch the, I haven't yeah. watched the highlights back because I was, um, when I was in the ground, I thought he'd give us some, I thought he'd give us, give us some absolutely ludicrous uh, yellow cards. Mm-hmm. The one that you talked about there, the one that you touched on there, he had made a fantastic tackle in the middle of the field and he pulled it up for a foul. Mm-hmm. No, that was unbelievable. And then but hey, gentlemen, the one thing though, 
the one thing though that they've got to start doing though seriously, and we we you know, we got to st- we got to start talking about this. I mean, I'll just come out and say it. Newcastle needs to grow some balls. I yeah. mean, they have got to be tough on the field. I'm tired of them looking for uh, looking for referees every time they get pushed. I mean, this is the freaking Premier League. This is what you wanted. You wanted to be back. We're back. You've got to get some steel. You've got to be able to hold up. I thought Ayosi Perez actually did pretty well. For once, he wasn't being shoved off the ball every two seconds. Gale is absolutely invisible. He needs to either go to the bench or he needs to get in, or he needs to get in the weight room, one or the other, because – did you guys even – I don't think I saw him except for the one he tried to draw a penalty. That could have been a penalty or not. But, I mean, seriously, the number of times that Newcastle players are being shoved off the ball, they're looking for penalties, they're looking Very for angry. calls. They're, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They need to grow a pair and remember – they need to remember where they are now. This is the premiership. This is where the men play. And you guys have earned your right to be there. Now act like it. Yeah, there definitely has to be more of a gallop in them, isn't there? Because, you know, it's like I, I thought from the first whistle, Lee and Neil, I thought from the first whistle, it was, it, there was, they were definitely off. They were, like, you know, you, all you can go on is what we did at Huddersfield last time. We were, we were ready for them. We, we, you know, we were like, come on, we're, we're going to take you on, we're going to stop you playing, and we're going to score goals, and we're going to beat you. And we, but I must admit, if if Gail's going out there, from the first whistle, thinking, "Oh, I've got to protect my hamstring," well, you know, <laughs> what we're going to do, we, you know, there's a reason why Crystal Palace, you know, you let him play in the let him play in the division below and bring him up there and, and kind of make him a a short time a substitute. You bring him on when you when you want to and things on. You need a bit of a boost. Maybe he's feeling it too when he had constant. Last season he could do whatever he wants and he would score. Maybe it is a mindset, but um, th- that team's screaming out for more experience, and that that's why we can see why uh, Rafa is obviously trying to bring more players in. Lee? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I, we do. We probably do need a few wise heads in there, but. Again, it's the. Be tough to get with one week to go. I know I mean, that. At the end of the day, he brought he brought a few he brought a few in last year, like Darren Murphy and people mm. like that. Uh, he was a he was a you know he was a stagehand in the championship. He scored four goals already this season in the championship. It was a wise move by the club. Mm. It was it was at a point where Benitez was allowed to kind of do deals like that, but. Um, mm. We've got obviously a few players left on our books off last season, which we haven't been able to ship yet. But you've got to you've got to remember when Benitez took over at Newcastle and needed to remodel remodel the side so we was able to compete in the championship last season. Mm-hmm. Did it wonderfully well. We knitted ourselves together very quickly. We ended up winning the championship. And what he's tried to do is obviously do something quite similar. Knowing that we were going into the Premier League, he wanted to do. He, he agreed to steer very quickly. I knew that was going to be a world place. I knew that was going to be one week after this season finished. And obviously, he, he had he had deals in mind. He had he believed he had them set up. And for one one reason or the other, they went south. And they yeah. might have been those, they might have been those players that you were speaking of, Andrew. Players mm. that would give us a little bit of experience, give us a little bit more in the Premier League. But for one reason or another, the deals weren't good. Well. 
actually not one reason or the other. We all know why they weren't done, because Mike Ashley's moved his fucking goalposts again. Mm. Um, sorry, I shouldn't swear for family. <laughs> so. um, no, don't worry. Go ahead. Sometimes you need to swear yeah, when, it's, yeah. when, when everything's going like they are right now. Yeah, but hey, guys, one thing about Ashley, one thing about Ashley, though, we got to get these guys off the book. Can't they just cut these players? No. I mean, just be rid of them? Look, I know no. that we're pay, they're paying them money, but, I mean, I, you, I was talking about the NBA. You just get them off the team. You cut mm-hmm. them, let them go do something, what else? And then once they – I mean, you just have to eat the money. Is that not, a, is that not allowed? Nah, uh, well – no, Yes, you can – well, Andrew, you can pee up their contract. You can pee up their contract, pee, yeah. He will not pee up their contract. No chance. He will not pee up their contract. No chance. Pee, he wants rid of them because, no you know, it, it looks bad. It looks bad if um, – you know they've got to eat more money. That it's just more. It's just it'll add to more derision. They think of Rafa Benitez currently. So you know, that's that's the worst thing about it. But but anyway, Lee, thanks for coming on. Appreciate Lee, it. Bring bring on and bring the last uh, last person on. No but thanks, thanks a lot, mate. Everyone uh, yeah, I think we have to try. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll bring in uh, the next caller this evening, and that is John. Good evening, John. How are you? <coughs> Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? You good? Not too bad. Tell me. So tell me, Chris has made a good point that we we should we possibly in America they cut people um, after the performing the way we do. I think we I think we'd lose a lot of money if we cut the players who currently you know pretending to play in black and white. And got I got a bit of a bad line, Andrew. Is that That's right. Sorry. Yeah. When it comes when it comes to it comes to the players that Newcastle could, you know, look to pay off, which yeah, obviously yeah. won't happen. Uh, yeah. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a big big week in Newcastle United, uh, especially the window closing. You would hope, you would pray that a lot of players are going to come in, a lot of players are going to go out, and Rafa Benitez will get us playing the way that we we we, we want to play. Absolutely. I mean, we. We need to get these players out sort of thing very, very quickly. This window is going to be absolutely massive for the next 10 days or 11 days or whatever it may be. And um, Rafa's desperate for players, man. He really is. But he needs to ship them, the, the players that he doesn't want, like Riviere, Sabir, Krul, Korbach, and Lazar. And um, if you can get rid of a couple of those players away, not on loan, but just get them off the books completely, sort of thing, such a different club, then... We can get players coming in. If we can do that sort of thing, the rapper wants to get that would be brilliant. But the guys, how do they get players? How do they get rid of players whenever the whole world knows that they're trying to get rid of players? <laughs> so they're going to basically that's offer the, that's them the trouble. This is the yeah. thing. done because the wage they're on it makes it so impossible to sign them up because mm. um, you got players like what the heck are we back? thinking paying them those wages? Yeah. Yeah, Charles Graham Carl asked that question, but it's not here, I'm afraid. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, <coughs> pardon, the thing is, Ronnie, that says it just goes to show about this transfer policy, um, which is absolutely flawed. It's a complete utter waste of time, right? And they, they're often big contracts, big, um, like, five-year contracts, six-year contracts and that, you mm. know. And the longer the contract you give them, it's going to be so hard to get them shipped away. I think the age of it saying, you know what? Don't go. You don't have to leave Newcastle. Just sit tight, okay? Mm. Just make as much money as possible, right? Let them make them soft that sort of thing. They're making them look stupid. Give them that contract and then run your contract down. But I blame, I'm going to have to blame one person for that, and that's Ashley and Graham Carr's so part of the blame as well. 
Yeah, I've, I've yeah, you know, a, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, if you're if you're a player and you're like, so I can go play at a first division team or whatever it is, or I can sit here and just collect money. Yeah, I'm yeah. collecting money. You look at you look at players like Ruby. Yeah, he turned down and moved to. I think it was Mets or Turkey to mm. the move because it wouldn't have paid off the wages. And you got some Henri's up there as well. I mean, Henri's do it. It was over Hedala, sorry, Hedala. He could have gone to that place like Etienne. Uh, and start his career. Take the, the wage cut and start his career. But oh, he, wants, he wants to stay at Newcastle. He turned down to because they felt a great turn. So he'll see at his last year's contact, sort of thing. But. Shame on players like them because you won't be playing football, do you know what I mean? And start kickstart your career. So it seems to us now that they put money before their career, and it's wrong. Well, I don't understand. I don't even understand the Riviera thing. I must admit because he he was going to go back to Mets, and it's not it's not just it's not just him. There's various other players now that, and to fairness to Rafa, he's told him, he's told Crow, he's told various players, listen, listen, you're very loud, uh, you're very loud noise there, uh, uh, John, but um, this is the problem, he's, he's told the players they can go, and yeah. they can find new clubs, so what? what is the whole point of the agent is to get them and move them on, get them another club and, uh, you know, get them, get them to, to, to do one, but... You know, if, if they think... Yeah, the guys that... Andrew, if you're an agent, okay, sorry to interrupt, but if you're an uh-huh. agent and your client is making a fortune right now in wages mm-hmm. and you're going to possibly lose money if you go to another team, you're going to tell them to stay where they are. Yeah, you're going to be serious. And go for their place. And the one thing, I mean, look, and this is the thing, I mean, I, I'm at, you know, we love Rafa and whatnot, but the bottom line is he didn't create this mess, but he's going to have to figure something out. Savé, all these guys were brought in. They were promised playing time. They were promised a chance, and they didn't really pan out, and that was it. Well, it's our, it is Newcastle's fault for signing him to these massive contracts. So now they're screwed. Kind of coming to this as well. I mean, the names are just mentioned as well. I mean, our entities, the order wages of the players is not wanted. I'm making that three hundred thousand pounds a week mm. in wages, right? I'm making that three point six to four million a season down the drain. And I put that out on Twitter. I think it was a couple of days ago last week. I might have done it, but what it is, right? I mean, four million a season, right? Mm. Down that drain. That money could have gone towards um the new players' wages, man, or mm. put towards the transfer key, but. I'm afraid the players is not playing for like um, the names I mentioned. I was just laughing at Newcastle saying, hey, you know what, I, I don't play football, I can make that sort of money sort of thing. And, you know, and I think it's an utter disgrace. I mean, oh, man. Well, it's going to be a long, let's be honest, it's going to be a long week with players, you know. This, this is where they start to, to start the engines because, you know, if they're going to find somewhere, they're going to have to, they're going to have to, get a, a quick mosey on to, to say yeah go here like Lazar left to go back to Italy uh, at the weekend uh, so he realises he's got to be away you know play, players know and you know you can you can see the one thing you'll, I'll say is that Cruel has been told to go but I but you can kind of tell he'll probably just go on loan so a lot of players will end up going 
they might still be property of Newcastle, but they might go out and loan. But at least if they go out and they and they get you know they get the money, uh, they, they pay the wages, and we you know we're not losing anything. Then it's no. all well and good. But um, you know, but but anyway, uh, give give me a scoreline you think for this week, John, because so we can end the show and and Chris. Yeah. What before, before giving a score, you just mentioned Lazar, right, when yeah. Italy. So, well, apparently, he's come back from Italy. He just cannot find a club. So, he's, come back, he's actually yeah. come back to Newcastle. So, oh, yeah. so, I just I'll let you know on that one. Stuff. And he's got a four year left on his contract. He's on 40 grand a week. And they're not going to touch him, man. No, no, hey, hey, hey. That is Rafa's fault. That is Rafa's fault. That was Rafa's freaking pick. So you know, yeah. you know, I know that we, I know he wants to sit here and start talking about McLaren, and, we, and, and yes, they brought in some bad players. We had manager turnover, but that was Rafa's fault. And if Oscar Lazar could not cut it, why the sure. heck did they bring him to Newcastle uh, with with those kind of wages? He needs to make it work. Yeah, well, said, point, yeah. well said. Well said. Well said. Well yeah, said. Because I must. I think we all expected him to kind of. Uh, give Dummett a game, didn't we? That that was the whole point of it, uh, to 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 challenge Dummett. But obviously the physicality, he, and he looked. I thought he looked quite good actually. But uh, the physicality of it seems to have um, obviously he has found him out. Obviously clearly. Absolutely. So I watched him um, when he played for Palermo in Serie A, and he mm. looked a fantastic player. He had come forward and can defend. But he just doesn't mention his physicality. He's six foot, right? He's slight. And you're right. I just think it's a physicality in this league. So things catch him out, sort of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? I was prepared to give him another season, so if he was in the Premier League. But obviously. Gentlemen, you know, I've only seen him twice. Yeah. I've only seen him twice. Twice. He yeah. never played. I mean, how can, he, how can I know how good he is or isn't good if I never even see the freaking guy on the field? <laughs> I watch him, I watch him playing Italian football. <laughs> And so we are the best league in the world for me. So, <laughs> but, um, but I think the Italian league is the best suit for the lad. And um, mm, I'm afraid he's not going to cut it here, sort of thing. I'm afraid so it's not good. Sorry. Well, I never uh, thought I, I never thought I'd say this. I never thought I'd say this, gentlemen. But you know, Joey Barton may have a bit of a, a bit of a point. Stop complaining and get out there and do your freaking job, Rafa. You have more players than you know what to do with. A good manager finds a way to get it done and doesn't constantly keep going to the media and saying, I don't have enough talent. I don't think that makes the guy kind of feel feel. And I think that really did. You could tell. The way they kicked it, didn't it seem like when the game kicked off against Huddersfield, it's like they already thought they were going to lose? It, yeah. was, it was weird. It was, it was just, it was, there was no energy. Go look at Huddersfield's got like 10 new guys. Remember when Sutherland got 10 new guys a couple of years ago and they yeah. were horrible? I mean, yeah. just because getting new players doesn't always mean that you're just going to be at the races. The one thing they need is a striker. And they needed a striker for a decade. The, pro- the problem is that the person that they want, it looks like he's going to go to De- Deportivo and Perez and because he's been off, but he's going to have to take a wage cut. So Newcastle probably sound like they want to give him the money. But he, he's obviously been given a, a better offer to go to Deportivo. But uh, we'll soon find out the weekends. Let's, let's let's see what happens next week, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get a win. In week, we'll get a win in the weekend, the midweek, and then we can go on to and then look like to get a few players in, fewer players out. So we'll, we'll we'll pick this up again on Monday. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for coming on, John and Chris, and we'll catch you next week. And Neil, of course. Thanks very much. 
West, West Ham is huge. They've got to get a point at least. I mean, West yeah. Ham's kind of in shambles too, so let's take advantage of them. I mean, yeah. West, they've got to get they've got to get the ship righted. I don't care who plays, just get the job yeah. done. Exactly. You guys Good point. Here. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Now. Thanks, John. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, 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 well, thanks very much to everybody coming on tonight. Ian Dark, as well as my guest and my regular co-host, Neil Mitchell in Dubai. It's been a good night, hasn't it, Neil? It's been a very good night, as always, mate. As long as a good chat. So stay on for a second, uh, I'll get back to you. So thanks so much. Listening to Toon Talk will be available online after the show as well. Thanks for lot now.